We are back with a new episode of Rooted. Thank you so much for tuning in and listening and rating and reviewing because it really does make a difference for podcasts, especially because I'm a newer podcast and being able to see reviews helps me make sure that I am talking about things that all of you want to hear. And that's what it's all about. I'm here to help support you on your journey of solopreneurship, of life, business development, passion finding, all of the things. So thank you so much for the rates, the reviews, and reaching out to me on Instagram to let me know who you want to hear from on the next episode. Today, I have Amber Romero on the podcast. She is the CEO of A Creative Co., which is a social media marketing company. And Amber actually does an amazing job at content strategy, education, all over her Instagram. There's so much education on social media today, what's happening and kind of what's coming. She has a very good pulse on the industry. And in our conversation today, we go into all things social media. So if you are someone who is either running your own social for your business or your personal brand and you need some tips, you have no idea what the hell you're doing, this episode is definitely one to tune into and very much listen to. And if you maybe want to become a social media manager, this is also a great episode because Amber actually has a lab. So it's the Creative Content Lab. It is an online platform really for social media manager trainings. And I'm actually a part of this. I joined when she first launched it last year or beginning of this year. I can't remember which. And I have learned so much about how to better myself as a social media manager, as a social media strategist, but also how to run my own social for my own business. I'm not at a stage where I want to hire that out yet. And I know a lot of solopreneurs aren't either. So you learn so much from her creative content lab. But this episode, we really do cover a lot of things. You'll find out too. I get shocked in this. We recorded this at the beginning of September and she just like dropped a bomb on me with things that are happening specifically on Instagram. And we really do talk about all that. You know, who can you trust with all this information coming out about different things. You know, is Instagram a video app? You know, are things changing with seeing likes? And there's just so much always happening. And I feel like you never know really who trusted sources are. So Amber dives into that, shares a lot about her own personal journey of solopreneurship, building a company up, and then deciding to shift it. So the episode's great. Amber's amazing. I've been a big fan of her work for a long time now. So this was a really exciting moment for me to be able to have a conversation with her for all of you. So make sure to give her a follow, check her out on socials, join her creative content lab, listen to this episode, tell us on social media, screenshot it, tag Amber, tag myself, and let us know what you think. I think it's really going to be helpful. All right. Enjoy the episode. I would love to start just to talk about kind of how you fell into social media. Yeah. So basically it kind of goes back to college. So I 
graduated college, like, or I got into college right after the big recession here in the United States. I don't know where all your listeners are, but I was like on the medical track of things and realized that I hated it and eventually switched my major (laughs) to marketing. And this was like between 2010 and 2013 is when I was in college. So social media was around, but social media marketing wasn't like, it was still very new concept. A lot of businesses weren't even on social media, that kind of thing. I think at that time we only had like Facebook and Instagram eventually came around. So I learned like very old traditional marketing concepts and right out of college got, you know, the nine to five corporate job, making a ridiculous salary at way too young of an age and, you know, lived that whole corporate life. Did that for quite a few years. Absolutely hated it, but started to fall in love with social media marketing because I started to tap into that in corporate. Traditionally speaking, I was a proposal writer, ghost writer, worked on a lot of big projects, marketing projects, but then eventually started to see the social media side of it as the company kind of introduced that. And after that, I decided to start freelancing and I became the marketing manager for like a small clothing boutique where I was living. And it just kind of spiraled into something from there. You know, I realized I was like, okay, I think I know what I'm doing now. Let me go off and do my own thing. So that's how, you know, a creative co got started is that I took a big leap and just decided to kind of go for it after working for other people for so many years. And I was like, you know what, it is time to do my own thing. And yeah, kind of just, it was a natural segue over probably like six or seven years. Like I didn't start as an entrepreneur, you know, so it took me a while to get to where I am. So when you decided to form a creative co, were you also working for other people or did you just like leap and go, okay, I'm doing this on my own now. Yeah, no, good question. So basically when I was working for that clothing company, um, I was like a sole marketer. So I did literally anything and everything. And then on the side, I was doing freelance. So I had a couple of my own freelance clients because I really had blown up their social media. And I was like, you know what? I can do this for some other local businesses. And all throughout this time, this is another little side note. I was a photographer. So I've always done some kind of side hustle. Like that's always been my thing. So I did that, you know, from the age of like, Oh gosh, like in college, I was always side hustling all the way up through, I think I went full-time entrepreneur in yeah, 2018, 2019. So it hasn't, I honestly haven't been a full-time entrepreneur for very long, but I've always been, you know, that side hustler, that kind of thing. So that's what, I mean, that's the journey that I was on because I didn't have the luxury of like being able to afford to do it. I had to really save up my money and make sure it was a smart decision for myself. And yeah, so that's kind of how that transition happened. I love a good side hustle. (laughs) Oh yeah. Oh yeah. I know. I was going to say, I think you have photography in your background as well. Yes, I do. Yep. Yep. I did. And again, those are fun adventures and it's helped me in my social media journey, but I was never meant to do photography full time. And when I made the leap into entrepreneurship, I thought maybe I'd do photography full time. And I tried that, hated it. And I was like, no, a creative code is the way to go. I was like, it is just time to stop half-assing two things. And like, I need to whole ass one thing. <laughs> just I get that. For it. But yeah, totally. It took, it took a long time. And I think that's probably one of the most surprising things that I've only been a full-time entrepreneur for like the last three years, but it's been so fun. It's been an interesting journey for sure. So <laughs> when you went full-time entrepreneur, was it just you or did you yeah. already have a team? Nope. It was just me. I, you know, I would occasionally have friends come and help me if I was like, oh my God, I'm drowning. You know, I'd have, I'd bring them in or, you know, when I did my branding, I brought in a 
graphic designer as just, you know, to kind of help me with little projects and stuff like that. But when I started, it was just me and it was just me for the first like year. So I was doing a lot of stuff, a lot of endless <laughs> sleepless nights of just doing client work and things like that. And I didn't bring somebody on until about a year into the game. The nature of it, you're trying to hustle and make as much money as you can and support yourself, let alone support somebody else, you know, is always the hard part for sure. What was it like for you in building a team, but starting with how did you know it was time? Yeah. So for me, I realized I was like, okay, I'm bringing in enough income now to support myself, to support this business. And I want to stop working so much. I started to resent my clients because I was like, okay, they're demanding these things. I'm not able to support them by myself anymore. And there were clients that I still really wanted to serve. So I, you know, I started very small, just bringing on a social media coordinators to help with, they weren't necessarily doing the content creation at first. They're just helping me schedule and do some more of the admin type stuff. Cause I'm like, okay, I know I can pass that off. And, you know, my trust issues will allow that to happen. Whereas like, I'm like, Hey, I don't want them to create the content just yet. So I just knew it was time that I needed to remove myself from the things that I hated or what I like to call $15 an hour tasks, where it's like, I could pass this off to somebody with minimal training and pay them $15 an hour to get it off my plate. And the way that I started to calculate this just in my mind, no complicated math necessary. I decided, Hey, would I rather spend an hour of my time scheduling social media posts or could I, with that hour of my time, be making more money than $15 an hour? So that's kind of how I started to look at it. And I was like, I could go sign a client in that hour, or I could do some other marketing efforts to propel my business forward. Why would I not just pay $15 and give it to somebody else? That kind of thing. So Mm -hmm. not a lot of math, but just stuff that you got to think about in your head. And how many team members do you have now? So right now I have three. So I have a business manager, a social media coordinator, and a social media strategist. So yeah, amazing. Really yeah. Are you still like in it though? So here's the thing. I only have three clients now. So I actually, yeah, I, over this last year, I've really dwindled down on my social media agency side. I started the year with, I think 12 or 15 clients. And I was like, I really pared it down to basically the three clients that I currently serve were acting as um, my team and I, as their content strategists rather than just social media managers. So, you know, it, there's a little bit more involved there and there's a lot more posting involved there. So I kind of got rid of like the, you know, I'm just posting a story for you every so often, or just posting like two or three feed posts per week. We're really diving into making sure that all the clients we serve now are very high level, that kind of thing. And I'm still in it. I love a good content creation moment, you know, especially for, I've really had fun with my clients creating reels and stuff. So that's kind of been my forte and really jumping into like the higher level fun content, whereas my team can really produce that evergreen content, that sales content, anything that's kind of rinse and repeat they're helping me with. And then I get to step in for the big fun stuff or big campaigns. That's, that's kind of where I'm at now. Mm. Yeah. So it's been fun. Yeah. It's been really, really fun. So what was that conversation like though, with clients that you were no longer really serving? Yeah. So the way that it went about is again, I kind of aligned myself with the clients that I knew that would kind of align with my overall business goals. So for instance, I have one client. She also has a team. That's kind of who I'm working with is female entrepreneurs that are a couple years into business that kind of have a small team of their own. And then we can come in and support as, you know, their content strategist. And I simply just talked to clients and said, Hey, you know, I'm moving different directions in my business. I'm also kind of up leveling what I do on the back end. Plus, I'm getting into to X, Y, and Z. You know, I've been doing digital products now, teaching, speaking, a lot of stuff like that. And I just simply didn't have the time. And when I explained it like that, they understood, obviously they're sad, but the thing too, is I gave them plenty of resources. I also, you know, team members, 
followers that I no longer have, I'm like, Hey, reach out to this person. They've worked on your content before. You know, if they were interns or other social media uh, coordinators that I had, I'm like, they've done your content, reach out to them and they, they will be more than happy to help you. Uh, so again, it's hard, but I made that transition as easy as possible for my clients, you know, so that kind of thing. Yeah, it's I love that you <laughs> yeah. positioned it that way though. Cause I feel like we'll just use social media yeah. management strategy as kind of the base here, but there's a lot of people out there who are like, I'm a social media strategist. Mm-hmm. I do social media management. I'm a content yep. creator. Oh yeah. And I feel like with that, so many of them might be kind of approaching a, a situation like that with a little bit of fear where they're like, oh my gosh, I don't want to lose somebody and like burn a bridge, burn a relationship. But instead you're just like, no, listen, like this is best for both of us. Like I want you to still succeed and be happy. Yes. So like, here's a whole list of things like, please. Mm-hmm. <laughs> exactly. And the way I presented it too, is that I also started doing more VIP days and I was like, Hey, you know, just the level of support and the things that you need, I can no longer provide for you because, you know, again, as business owners. And, and I approach it that way is that business evolves and I can't always forever be a social media manager. Like that's just not in the cards for me. For some people it is. And that's amazing. But for me, I was like, I knew that wasn't the end goal. And I was like, you, the client's basically that I let go are the ones that need to support day in and day out. And I just knew I couldn't do that. Um, and I'm like, I'd rather give that to somebody who can serve them and who wants to serve them in that way. It just wasn't for me anymore. And they completely understood. And again, not cutting them high and dry, gave them plenty. I gave them like each a 60 to 90 day notice, gave them tons of offboarding stuff, handed over assets. Like if you make it easy and explain it to people and just don't kind of cut them off, it'll be fine. You know, Mm -hmm. (laughs) it'll hurt, but it'll be fine. Yeah. You mentioned VIP days. Yes. So can you dive into what that looks like from your offering perspective? Yeah, of course. So I just wrapped up my last round of VIP days for this year. I'm no longer doing them for this year because as fun as they are, they are also time consuming. So what my VIP day structure looks like is it's called the Evergreen Content Library. And basically I work with a client and sit down, not only give them a content workflow, a content system to help them again, create a lot of content, but to also take a look at what they currently have and build out evergreen pieces. And for those listening, if you're not sure what evergreen is, it's just simply a piece of content that you could post over and over again that doesn't have like a time constraint on it. You know, so your origin story, talking about who you are as a person, you know, giving out tips and tricks. It's hard for me to create tips and tricks content for social media because that'll change tomorrow. But for some of my clients, you know, I've worked with probably one of my favorite evergreen clients that I worked with was she helps heal like your ancestral trauma and stuff like that. So a lot of the tips and tricks that we came up with you know, that stuff doesn't change. So we were able to create a lot of evergreen content for her that she could, again, continuously post. So that's kind of the idea behind the VIP days. My clients can walk away with all of this content, a content system, a content strategy, and kind of rock and roll that way. That client sounds like they're right up my alley. <laughs> oh my gosh. She, she was amazing. I'll have to, we'll, we'll chat off air and I'll send her your way because she's amazing. <laughs> yeah. That's so great. I love that you're able to support people in that way. And I think sometimes I feel like people just get very overwhelmed by social media in general especially as a business owner, because you're already wearing like 50 fucking hats. Like, oh yeah, we don't want another one. And being able to offer it in, here you go, here it is, here it's done. Continue on. Yes, exactly. And, you know, I'm kind of toying around with the idea. It's funny because all of my Evergreen VIP day clients, they're like, hey, can we do like quarterly check-ins? And I'm like, yeah, sure. That sounds good with me. So I'm even kind of considering what that looks like for next year. And that's kind of why I put a pause on it for now. And the holiday season is coming up. But, you know, it's one of those things that I'm like, 
like, okay, maybe there's some potential there of like an upsell to a VIP day where they do quarterly check-ins with me and, and see how their content strategy is working. And if we need to build more content or whatever that looks like, because what I noticed too, is with a lot of clients, it's so easy for them. And I don't want to say easy, but it's easier to post in the moment to get on stories. Or if they want to post a picture of their dog, like that's super easy. It's that high level overview content that really is going to propel their business forward that they struggle the most with. And that's mm-hmm. kind of like where the evergreen content library comes into play. Yeah. You mentioned holiday. Uh, yes. For everyone listening, it yep. is September 1st right now. So as a content planner, we know we're like thinking of next year. Oh yeah. Like we're already midsummer. We're in 2022. We're like, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> so what does that look like though? Preparing for holiday for you as your business. For me, I am now in the decline. I was like September 1st hits. I'm like, it's Q4. Perfect. And the only thing that I actually have coming up again, I'm making sure all my clients are taken care of. Like we're already like wrapping up holiday campaigns and things like that, just so that we're not worrying about that. So that not only my team can step away, but my clients can step away and not have to worry about it. So really prepping. And I even have one client, we already have the rest of the year content done just because we're like, we need to get out of it. And she's going on sabbatical. And I was like, time, time to be done. But for my business too, now my primary focus are going to be holiday sales for my digital products. So I can really pump time and energy into that aspect as I wind down for client work for the year. Because, you know, I, I am the kind of person that I, yes, I do believe in time off. I can't take a full month off like some people do in December, but what I like to do is in December, I don't talk to anybody about anything other than something that's good for me. (laughs) Like that sounds so selfish, but that's what I'm prepping for myself, for my business. And if I feel the need to work, it's going to be for a creative co and it's not going to be for anybody else. So that's kind of the way that I start to prep for holidays. And then I give my team the ability to take off when they want to take off. We're closed for the last three weeks of the year, like you cannot communicate with us kind of thing. So we're getting into the stages of prepping for that, sending out client emails, all of that fun stuff. So that's just kind of what that looks like for my business. And again, it's just all about getting ahead of the game. And I know it's September, but it will be November and December before you know it. So true. It's so true. I love that though. Mm -hmm. I love, especially that you take the last three weeks off and you're like, do not, you have to protect your boundaries. Oh, yes. How how has that been? It sucked at first. I was not that person. (laughs) And I am naturally a people pleaser. Like I always have been my entire life. So when I got into this industry, it's very easy to just say yes to people when they ask you for something. And that I've had to learn lessons the very, very hard way. You know, especially when I first started, I'd give out my personal cell phone number to clients and they'd text me and call me. And yeah, I know. Oh, it's cringy. Oh, it is cringy. But I learned these lessons that I want to teach other people because please just don't do it. You know, when you first start, you're like, I don't know. And I did a lot of work without billing for it. I mean, I feel like every entrepreneur goes through that season of like, I just did all this work for, for how much money? Or I said yes to that without charging for it, you know, that kind of thing. So I've learned those boundaries and it's been tough because again, naturally a people pleaser, but saying it in a diplomatic and professional way of, Hey, yeah, I'd be, I'd be more than happy to help you with that. Here's the invoice. And most the time they're like, oh, never mind. I don't need help. You know what I mean? So it's just kind of figuring that out. Um, and then starting to set very strict boundaries with clients the minute I onboard them, you know, saying we are not available to talk on the weekends. There's very rarely a social media emergency. And if there is, I'll be the first to know about it and I will reach out to you kind of thing, you know, but other than that, I'm like, you got to set those boundaries with your clients. I'm available from this time to this time. You cannot reach me. And now I, my favorite part is I always have on my um, vacation autoresponder so that people know 
you're not going to get an email back from me within 24 to 48 hours, unless you're a client, you know, here's a form to fill out. If you need this information, blah, blah, blah. And I've set those boundaries for people that even aren't my clients. And I'm like, if you're not going to fill out this form to have me get on your podcast, or, you know, you book some time on my calendar, I'm not reaching back out to you. And I know it sounds a little harsh, but it's like the amount of information we're given, the amount of communication people want to have through social media, through email, things like that. You got to really just set those boundaries. It's hard, but you know, learn to step away from that. I couldn't agree more. It is difficult. I mean, I have given out my phone number and I'm just like, as I'm doing it, I'm like, why am I? Why did I do that? Yes, exactly. Oh, I know. I know it's tough. And the way that I get around that now is certain clients, you know, obviously I use Slack and then there's one client we're in different time zones. So we have Voxer, but again, she knows my Voxer is only available X, Y, and Z. And that's about it. Can't call on Voxer because we're on the free plan of Voxer. We're not paying for it. So it's literally just a walkie talkie back and forth. And we get to it when we get to it kind of thing. Yeah. Um, but just setting up those expectations. I so. love Boxer. I do too. It's my <laughs> oh, favorite. It's so good. <laughs> it's the best. Okay. So I have some questions regarding like what I see a lot of. I've personally dabbled in social media management and strategy. And so these are things that I feel like I heard a lot of and sometimes are hard to have a response back to that the client or audience understands. So I'm sure that you've received this question. But what do you say to clients who are like, I really want to get to 10K. I really want 10,000 followers. Yes. Ooh, this is such a good one. So my thinking here, it's going to be uncomfy, you guys. So what I always do is when a client comes to me and asks you that, I simply ask one question. I say, why? And I listen to their answer. And most of the time they're like, I want the swipe up feature. I was like, okay, but why? Why do you want the swipe up? So I can sell more of my products. I'm like, okay, why? Like, why do you want to sell more products on swipe up? And I continue to get down to the root reason of it. And traditionally it sits in a, they do not feel confident enough to sell their services or products. And people just think that these metrics and these goals and swipe up is going to change your life, which FYI, September 1st, you guys swipe up is no longer available. So it's a sticker. Instagram just removed it. Yep. So it's, you now you got to tap on a sticker, but we'll see how that goes. I know we'll see, but you know, just getting down to the root of why people want it. They think it's going to be this credibility factor. They think it's going to automatically make them more money. And traditionally speaking, it doesn't. I remember when I hit 10 K, I didn't feel any different. I was like, Oh, that's cool. Awesome. You know, I've did a big celebration because it is a cool milestone, but you don't feel any different. You don't automatically make a hundred thousand more dollars a year. Like, you know, just getting down to the reason of why and explaining to them, Hey, I want to focus more on X, Y, and Z to get you to where you want to be. So traditionally, you know, again, if we nail down, okay, they don't feel confident enough in selling their products and services on Instagram. So they think 10 K is going to get them there. I tell them you're not even posting enough about your products and services. We don't have your shop feature up on Instagram. Like people, how are they going to buy your products? You know, I was, so there's other things that I will gear a strategy around to help them again, achieve that goal without that 10K. And then I just have to explain, it's not realistic. Plain and simple. I just have to put my foot down and be like, hey, that's not going to happen kind of thing. But yeah, that's a good one. That's always a good question. I love it. Okay. What about when people are like, I hear this a lot, not necessarily with clients, but just like out in the social media universe. The algorithm hates me. Instagram's not showing my content. That's why nobody's seeing it. Oh yeah. That's also another good one. And one that I have to explain away all the time. First, the one thing I want to put out there is that there are so many more people on Instagram now. Instagram algorithm doesn't hate you. Otherwise they would wouldn't have a platform to stand on. They do want to show your content. They just want you to play the game. Unfortunately, that's the way that it is. They are also a business. But the thing is, you have to realize that 
even for larger creators like myself, everybody across the board is seeing lower engagement. Our stuff isn't getting out there as much, but you have to think of the amount of people on Instagram and the amount of people that you're fighting for attention from your followers. You know, so it's just one of those things. It's a math thing. You know, over the last 10 years, Instagram has grown from nothing to I think like a billion active users. And, you know, when our engagement rates were between eight and 10%, there were maybe only 500 million active users. Now you're fighting for competition of real people and robots on Instagram because we all know there's fake accounts and all kinds of stuff. You know, so it's not that the algorithm hates you. You just need to really dive into what your audience wants. You know, so obviously for me, I figured out, okay, people really like this kind of feed post. So let me post more about that in the feed. People really like these kind of reels. Test a bunch of different things out and see what your audience resonates with and then produce more of that content because Instagram doesn't hate you. It's just your content strategy might not be there yet. And that's fine. And there's nothing wrong with that. But I don't want people to equate likes and follows and all that stuff to their worth as business owners. It always goes back to that. But I promise you, the algorithm doesn't hate you. It's doing its job, actually. (laughs) Yeah, I always love that when people say that. And I'm just like, they actually can survive because you're here. So they want to show your stuff. (laughs) Exactly. I was like, otherwise, they don't have a platform. And I know we're all kind of pissed off at Instagram right now with all of the changes and all the things that they say they want us to do. But I'm like, I still don't use guides. Like, you know, there's all these new features. I really don't post that much on IGTV. My Instagram story highlights get updated maybe once a month. You know, even I'm not playing the game and I, this is my job. I'm not playing the game Instagram wants me to play. I'm going to produce content that I know people care about. My IGTV is not a lot of people cared. My highlights, not a lot of people cared, but what people do like are my reels and my feed posts. So I'm like, I'm going to give my audience what they want, not what Instagram wants to, <laughs> you know, obviously yep. we'll try new things, but I just want to serve my audience. And when you start to serve your audience, that's where you're going to see that the algorithm doesn't hate you anymore. (laughs) You know, that kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. Just like in podcasting, you know, you see, you know, one episode just like totally take off and every other episode, you're like, what the hell? It's not even moving. Like no downloads. What's going on? Well, what about that episode was exciting for your audience? It's the same thing with Instagram. You know, I think reels helped people see that a lot more where they're able to see, oh, more people are like actually watching this stuff. Like eyes are on your stuff with posts. It's hard to tell unless they like it or comment. Exactly. Very, very true. How do you find out all of your news for what's happening? Yeah, I was going to say I go to directly to the source. So I'll go to the head of Instagram, his account. He always has the latest and greatest. My favorite new account that I like to follow is creators. So it's the creators account that's by Instagram. They always have the news first and foremost. And then if I do want to say, stay away from like non-credible sources, I I love to look at the, the big players in social media. So like later I use them for scheduling, but their blog is always very, very accurate. You know, another one, oh gosh, I subscribe to their email list. I'm going to forget it. Hubs. I think it's HubSpot. You know, so some of those bigger players that I know they're not going to, they're not going to put out false information. But if you're looking at like, I think even TechCrunch is a good one too. But if you're just looking at somebody's random blog post, most of the time that information is incorrect. So I like to go directly to the source. Otherwise, I don't tell people about it. So when rumors were going around about the, which I get DMs about this literally every day. Oh, we should only be using eight hashtags. We shouldn't be using all 30. That was literally a rumor. And I'm not going to report on that until I hear from Instagram directly, you know, and obviously there was a lot of confusion there. 
and big time creators on the app that are Instagram experts were also saying that information was true. So it confused people even more. And I was like, I don't want to add to the noise. I'm going to wait and see what Instagram themselves says. So that's kind of where I like to report on my information, but guess what? I might not always be first with that information and I'm fine with that. So Mm -hmm. that's okay. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. There's so much information. I know. And there's some big time creators, which I love their content. And then sometimes I see them put stuff out and I'm like, Oh, that's cringy. I'm like, I really like you as a person. I like you as a content creator, but I was like, you're spreading false information. I'm like, I already know that's not true, but I was like, that's tough. But then they, they end up getting a crap ton of comments in the comment section and they either take the post down or have to like backtrack on it. I'm like, I don't want to do that. I'm like, I'll report on it a couple days later. And again, that's why I'm saying with the swipe up, I'm like, I haven't tested it yet, but that was what Instagram was reporting. So I'll be interested to see how that goes today. As soon as we get off this, I'm going to look. I'm going to go look too. I'm definitely going to go look. I keep seeing more and more creators kind of sharing things that I definitely haven't heard are happening. Um, I'm definitely not in the game as much as I was before though. And I'm reading things like, oh, what was the most recent one that came up outside of Instagram basically becoming a a video platform now, which I'd love to like hear your opinion on that. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I was going to say, so that big one obviously came from the head of Instagram when he went out and said on a, I think it was a live or an IGTV. He was like, Instagram is no longer a, just a photo sharing app. And people took that and ran with it. And they said, Instagram hates photos. And like people went absolutely crazy. And I'm like, that's not what he said. He said, it's no longer just a photo sharing app. Like you guys need to diversify your content. And it's always been that way. That's what I tell people. Instagram has always been this way. It is always trying to, you know, with the newer features, like we saw years ago with the introduction of stories, that's video, you guys, with the introduction of IGTV, that's video. I don't know why people thought this was such a shock. I was like, Instagram has been moving this way for years. Um, I think it was just the nature of the way that he said it maybe. And then with the introduction of reels, people just lost their mind. And I want to say it's not Instagram making this big change. And this is something I also have to explain. It is the way that viewers are viewing content. We determined that. We said we really like videos. So Instagram's like, let's dial that up. You know, let's figure out some more features. Whereas, you know, everybody gets mad at it. I'm like, we love our short 30 second videos, our attention span. We love it as audience. I know I do. I'd much rather do that than swipe through a carousel. That's just me personally. And I know a lot of other people like that. So it wasn't Instagram, you guys. It was us, actually. (laughs) I know that's the hard truth, but it is. (laughs) I feel like I would consider you somebody who like when I was more involved in social media strategy and management, I would always go to your account because I'm like, this girl, like she knows what she's talking about. Um, I feel like you turned into like the reels queen. Yes. Yep. And I would love to know how you attacked that at such an early stage when everyone was like, what is this? Yes. Okay. I will say I did have a slight advantage here. When reels came about, I was already doing TikTok for at least six months. So I had a good bank of content, not necessarily that, you know, there were a couple that I would, I would literally take from TikTok and put on reels, but I already knew what worked. So I was lucky enough that I had already had about six months of experience creating short form video that Instagram reels was such an easy transition for me. But what I could do is since it was an easy transition, I could tell people how to do it. I had already done again, six months of the work over on TikTok. So it was easier for me. I don't want to say easy, easy, but it was easier. And, you know, that's where I was able to really leverage reels because I knew what my audience already wanted. And while my audience does look a little different, I do skew a lot younger on TikTok with my audience and a little bit older on Instagram, but I'm like, okay, I can tell 
Obviously, I don't do a lot of the trends on Instagram Reels because my audience is just not there with that. Not their favorite. I do more tips, tricks, talking to the camera. Whereas on TikTok, yeah, I'll jump on some of the trends. Sometimes I'm not dancing, but I will use some of the sounds or, you know, things like that. Whereas the longer tutorials on TikTok don't always perform high. So I'm like, okay, I'll post those on Instagram and those perform much better. So, you know, it was an easy transition for me, but to kind of give the audience something here, if they're kind of just starting on their reels journey, and if you want to dive into it, you literally just, it's so annoying, but you just have to start and test out a bunch of different videos. Because for me at first on my TikTok journey, I would post just screen recordings of my phone, or I would try this or try that. Sometimes I do tutorials. Sometimes I do just like voiceovers and it didn't click until I started showing my face on the camera. And then once I started doing that, I'm like, okay, we have something here. And I started steamrolling with that. So you have to test out a bunch of different things until you figure out what your audience wants from you. You know, some people, if you're a nail artist, you can literally just like time-lapse you, you doing a client's nails and people will watch that. Whereas me, I'm like, okay, I got to show my face. And then I got to tell people how to do things on Canva. That's pretty much what works for me, but you just have to figure that out. It's going to take time. And I love to, you have a few digital offerings that I would absolutely love you to share yes, with everyone, but mm -hmm. those are things that you even delve deeper into. Absolutely. Yeah. The, and the number one offering that I have right now is the creative content lab, which is for social media managers, freelancers that are looking to either get into the social media industry or are currently in the social media industry, really dive in and help them create creative content for their clients. It's a bunch of systems and workflows and exactly how I did it in my agency. And I'm still doing it in my agency. And I kind of give you guys all the behind the scenes, the tools, the templates, the everything um, to serve your clients. So yeah, that's the one thing that I'm currently offering. And then keep your eyes peeled around holiday time. There will be more stuff coming. There's some good stuff. <laughs> that's why I said. I'm, re I'm really launching all the holiday stuff and we're getting started on it now. Literally Amazing. September 1. <laughs> I love the lab. It's yes, so I helpful. I initially had joined it right at launch when I was like social media management yes. forever. This is my oh, life. Yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> and it was so helpful. And then things shifted as they do, you know, you grow and change. And I've been able to look at this in a different way of, okay, well, how am I going to use this to help me understand ways to go about just creating for myself and for my own exactly. business? So whether you are, you know, in social media management or just kind of want a better understanding of how to go about things in the social media world, content creation world, I definitely recommend this. Thank you. I have been yeah. A, a You've been a member since, since day, day one, one. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> which, and we're coming up on a year, which is crazy in November. So I'm like, it'll be so good. And again, big announcements coming for it in November. Cause we're going to, it'll always be there, but we're going to do some big things next year for the creative content lab. It'll be really fun. Oh, so amazing. it also comes with a Facebook group, which is really nice too, to kind of interact yes. with people on a different level. Yeah. yeah, of course. Absolutely. Facebook group is where it's at. Cause that's where you get to communicate with people and then communicate the best with me as well. So outside of joining the lab, obviously listening to the first 30 minutes, minutes of this conversation. What advice, tips, or tools would you kind of recommend for people who are, let's say in either place, either social media managers starting out or mm -hmm. someone who can't really pay for services for someone else to do that for them? What would you say to those people? Yeah. As far as like content strategy goes or like social media strategy. Yeah, of course. So I think, you know, I've put out not only myself, but a lot of other creators have put out some really good stuff on starting with content pillars, figuring out what your audience likes. Because again, you are going to, the thing that I see a lot of business owners do, they'll go and create all of this content and it'll flop or in their eyes, it's going to flop, but you're not going out and doing the research behind seeing what your audience wants. I know when I first started my account, 
A Creative Co. actually started as a research project, basically for myself. It started out as something fun. I said, let me see what I can do with an Instagram account in 30 days. And basically what I did is I tried a new Instagram strategy or a new tactic every single day for 30 days to see how much I could grow my audience. And in 30 days, I grew 500 followers. And I was like, that was awesome. So I always give people that same advice. I'm like, you need to be DMing, you know, in the beginning, it's going to take time. DM some of your top fans and your top fan can maybe even be your mom, (laughs) like whoever it is. Do some voice memos, say, hey, thank you so much for liking that post. Is there something that really resonated with you? Can I give you more information, blah, blah, blah. And just see what your audience wants. That's the thing is people don't want to serve their audience. They want to self-serve themselves. Um, So that's kind of the big thing on social media that yes, we do need to sell and we need to be a business owner, but you also need to give your audience some things too, you know? So that's what I always recommend. And again, I have a lot of resources over like on YouTube. You can obviously um, check out my Instagram, any other creator. I know Jasmine Star is a really good one when it comes to social media for business owners, but just really starting to dive into serving your audience that, you know, that kind of thing. Yeah. I think patience too is a big key part in all of it. Yep. You're not going to grow 10K in like two days. It's not going to happen. It's really not. But I want you to focus on the audience that you do have, because while you might think, oh my God, I just hit hundred followers. That's not anything. If hundred people showed up in front of you right now, you'd probably poop your pants. Like that's a lot, you know, you'd be scared. You'd be like, oh my God, how am I going to serve all these people? How am I going to talk to them? I know it sounds like a silly little metaphor, but it's true. If that many people showed up in front of you right now, you'd probably lose your mind. You know, that kind of thing. That is something really good to go back to think about. I think just at the basics of it. I remember when I had, I was at this point where I like couldn't get over 1100 followers. And I was like, this is ridiculous. Nobody's following me. Nobody cares. Woe is me. (laughs) And then like later on, I was like, you know what? 1100 people. That's a lot. <laughs> That's a lot of fucking people. I know. I was going to say it's a lot. And then it goes back to, so obviously like I even have areas of plateauing. And for me, I'm at the point where I'm like, I don't even want to get any bigger. Cause I'm like, that just sounds like a headache. And I'm an extrovert, love to be in the spotlight, but I'm like, oh God, this just sounds awful. You know, I was like, we can stop here and I'd be fine. But it's one of those things that, you know, if you feel that plateau, Again, go back and revisit what your content is doing. Revisit who's liking your stuff. So for me, I noticed when I hit a plateau, I'm like, I haven't been cranking out as many reels or I, you know, haven't been putting out the meme posts that I know that generate a lot of traffic for me, or I'm not putting out, it's funny, screenshot tweet posts work the best on Instagram. I'm like, I haven't done one of those in like two weeks. Maybe let's try that, you know? So just going back and reevaluating where have you if you feel like you're pla- you're plateauing with your followers or with whatever metric you're looking at, go back and look at what you're not doing, you know, and that's kind of a good indication of like, okay, this is something that I can try. Let's try and get back on the wheel. Or if that stuff isn't working anymore, like I know photos of very highly curated photos of me used to work really well, you know, branded headshots, things like that. But now people would ra- much rather see a selfie of me. And I'm like, okay, cool. I just spend a lot of money on branding, <laughs> branding photos. And I'm like, all right, I just want a selfie. Perfect. Sounds good. Cool, cool, um, cool. Thanks so much. Yeah. I was like, hey guys. <laughs> I was like, it's not like I pay for this like three or four times a year, but all right, no big deal. Yeah, because I get quarterly branding shoots and I'm like, you guys don't even want to see that anymore. (laughs) Like, okay, cool. That's awesome. You guys would rather have a selfie. But again, you know, I've kind of reevaluated my content strategy there. So it's like just playing around with things like that. What is it that you like and love about what you do? Yeah, good question. So as you know, it's crazy because again, a creative code is only like three years old. I've transitioned so many times in my business and it's shocking to look back and like, Oh my God, I feel like I've been doing this for 10 years, 
because I've hit all these big milestones and I've transitioned my business so many times at first, again, taking bottom of the barrel clients, being a social media manager myself, all the way through, you know, having a team and an agency, then kind of now I'm in this stage where I'm really paring down, made the team a little smaller, really started to find my niche with social media management, content strategy. And now I'm even going into 2022, I'm getting into more of the digital products and, um, you know, the speaking and education, which is, I think, who knows? Ask me again in a year. I think this is where I meant to be. But so it's one of those things that I've come to find the things that I absolutely love doing is serving clients at more of a consultation level. I am not a day in day out kind of gal anymore. I was like, I just turned 29 a couple of days ago. And I was like, I'm getting too old to be working till midnight, scheduling Instagram posts. I was like, if you love doing that, please, by all means, keep doing it. But it is not for me. You know, I was like, I would like to be hanging out with friends and family instead. But so it's things like that, that I've naturally kind of found myself stepping away from. Whereas the things that I love doing is strategy overall, like, let me look at the problem areas. Let me give you something that I know will work for you, that consultation level. And again, that kind of consultation is also kind of teaching. So I really enjoyed finding my niche there and, um, giving away my secret sauce. That's the best. And what do you wish that you could do differently? Oh, just in business or just in general? I guess let's go from both lenses. Okay. So yeah, differently, I'd really like to, and you know, again, I think this is going to be the journey that I'm on. I really want to shape how people feel about social media because I try and find the balance between serving yourself, but serving others. Even over the last couple of months, I've taken a small step back from my own content strategy just because I've had things going on in life and business and I'm like, okay, but I want to be able to teach people that it's okay to do that. And even as I am in the social media industry and I've taken breaks, especially I took the summer off from TikTok because I was like, this is getting wild. Like it is too crazy out here. I was like, I need a good break. But being able to tell people that that's okay, even as a social media content strategist, we're allowed to do that. We're allowed to have a life and we're allowed to have our time back. So that's something that I wish was a little bit different or, you know, just kind of shaping the notion that yes, while you know, social media can kind of hinder your mental health. It can also be a tool to help you also, you know, I've seen some amazing relationships and amazing things come out of TikTok and Instagram and stuff like that. And it's not always all bad, you know, obviously with moderation, anything in moderation. So that's definitely something that I'd love to eventually make more content on. Cause that's something I feel strongly about. So we'll see in 2022, what I get to come up with. There. Yes. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Okay. So I feel like there's so much that we covered in this conversation. So good. And I would love it if you would let everyone know where to find you. And also if there's anything, it can be literally about anything. It doesn't have to be through the lens of social media or business. That's kind of on your mind, on your heart that you just feel like you need to share. Yeah, absolutely. So you guys can follow me. My primary places are Instagram, TikTok. I'm at a underscore creative co on Instagram and a creative co on TikTok. I did launch a YouTube channel early this year. So there's some longer form videos, which basically are the TikToks that people wanted me to create long form videos on. So that's what I've done there. And then just kind of stay tuned. Again, if you are very interested in the social media industry and growing your business there, Creative Content Lab is for you. Otherwise, I have more resources coming for business owners uh, around the holiday season this year. So keep your eyes peeled. And then I would say something that's on my heart is more so, again, honor your 
yourself, you know, I'm going to always bring it back to the social media thing. I don't like creating Instagram stories anymore. It's just not a thing for me. I'm like, you know, I'll get on there every once in a while, do what feels right to you in the moment. And don't worry about what Instagram says. Don't worry about what your peers are doing. Do what feels right for you and for your audience, you know? So, you know, just always that's in business, that's in social media, that's in life. Just do what's right for you. Listen to your intuition. Cause that's what I've been working on lately. <laughs> I love that. I yes. Love that. Thank yeah. you so much. Of course. This was so much fun. And thanks for the great conversation.